This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Jack Aldrich is a futurist who works with many companies in the industry of agriculture. He helps businesses navigate the changes ahead and see how they can better predict and adapt to the trends that will shape our future. Will electric cars diminish the need for ethanol? Will carbon farming become agriculture's biggest cash crop? We cover those topics and much more as we learn his keys to thriving in an ever-changing world. It's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, and it's brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. So we began our corn harvest a couple of weeks ago. I recently picked the corn in our field trial that used Pivot BioProven. You may remember that Pivot BioProven adheres to the root of the corn plant, creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. It's a weather resistant and sustainable way to achieve more predictable and more productive yields than ever before. So, what were the results? Our corn using Pivot BioProven out yielded the non treated corn by seven bushels per acre. The second year in a row, we saw a yield boost. Even more exciting is the opportunity to replace some of our synthetic nitrogen since Pivot BioProven can be a proven source of nitrogen throughout the growing season. That's a big factor, especially in a time of higher input prices. I'll be sharing more results and thoughts throughout harvest. You can learn more about Pivot Bio and field trials throughout the nation by going to pivotbio.com. This week, we take a look at the future. Jack Aldridge is a futurist. We'll talk about exactly what that is in a moment. He works with many companies and organizations, large and small, in the ag industry. I've heard him speak on topics such as carbon farming, electric cars offsetting demand for ethanol, and much more. Not only do we cover some of those items in the news, but we also discuss how successful individuals and companies are able to change with the times and stay ahead of the curve. Here's our conversation about those trends and how all of us can thrive in times of change. Jack Aldrich is my guest, and Jack uh, talks a lot about the future, and specifically, we're going to talk about the future of agriculture. But Jack, first of all, thanks for joining me here on the show. And secondly, why don't you tell people a little of your background? Because when we think of a futurist, is that somebody just kind of uh, throwing darts out there at the dartboard in the future? I think you have a little more behind it, but tell people your background that's helped you look to the future and help us understand what we should be looking at or preparing for. Yeah, well, first, uh, thank you for having me as a guest. Uh, a little bit about my background. I uh, Right after college, I went into the Navy. I served as a Naval Intelligence Officer for three years and then went to graduate school uh, for strategic planning. Then I worked in the Pentagon as a civilian strategic planner um, for a couple of years that returned to Minnesota and was the head of the Office of Strategic Planning for the state of Minnesota under uh, Governor Ventura, uh, Jesse Ventura, when he was governor of Minnesota. And then really for the last 20 years, I've been writing books about emerging technology. And uh, there are no formal credentials to be called a futurist, but it does help to uh, have written a few books and to uh, have thought deeply about the future. The acronym that I really like is, I call it the, my big aha, and it's what I do as a futurist, and it's how I encourage people to think about the future. And what it stands for is awareness, 
humility into action. We all need to be aware of how fast the world is changing the trends that are going to affect us. Next, we need humility to the idea that what served us well yesterday in our job or industry might not be sufficient uh, in the world of tomorrow. And then the final A stands for action. I don't claim to predict the future, but I love this quote from Peter Drucker, who said the only way to predict the future is to create it yourself. So I help people and organizations take the actions necessary to create their own desired future. So, Jack, before we get into some of the specifics related to agriculture, are there ways that businesses, whether it's agriculture or others, can be aware and ready to take action as opposed to reactive all the time? How do we get ready for the changes that are always facing us down the road? That's an excellent question. And what I'm going to say sounds like common sense, and it is, but people need to be reminded of this. The first thing I encourage everyone to do is just regularly take time to think about the future. In fact, I call this my Friday Future 15. Just to make it simple, try and dedicate at least 15 minutes every week just to think about the future. And I send out a free newsletter with five articles, and I encourage people not to read all five, but just to read one and then think about what it means. And I think this is really hard, especially for farmers. I mean, if you see someone not working Uh, just thinking. Your immediate thought isn't, oh, they're engaged in really hard work about thinking about the future. You think they're being lazy. But from my perspective as a futurist, there are so many trends that are going to be so transformative for farming and agriculture that it is absolutely essential that farmers and leaders in the industry regularly take time to think uh, about the future. And I can get into some specifics about what I think you should be thinking about. But the first thing is just regularly take time and give yourself permission to think about the future. Yes, let's go into some of those specifics and I'll just let you take the lead. I have a list of things I'd love to get to, but are there any that you think in the field of agriculture are most important or the biggest changes coming at us the quickest? Yes. Um, From my perspective, as I know that many of your listeners are in rural areas all across the country and My guess is broadband is not very good in a lot of your communities, but the advances in satellite technology, specifically rockets launching satellites into space, is absolutely astounding. And many of your listeners might already be familiar with Starlink, which is a new startup that is helping farmers get high-speed Internet access to their farms at a fairly affordable price, and the speeds are quite good. And so I think that many of your Listeners will have been hearing about the advances in precision agriculture for the last five, maybe even 10 years, but there hasn't really been the infrastructure to support that. And I don't mean to suggest that rural broadband will be excellent in 2022, but I really think by 2023, 2024, these advances are going to be coming. And so that then means that once the satellite technology is in, in place, then you do need to begin looking at precision agriculture. You need to begin understanding the Internet of Things and how more sensors might be uh, being embedded directly in your field, on your livestock. Uh, It's going to transform a lot of different things. Uh, So those two trends, satellites, the Internet of Things, uh, the next advance, um, advances in robotics are coming fast and furious. And I think it's really important to understand that this technology is getting both better and more affordable. Um, 
I'm most familiar with uh, the advances in robotic technology with regard to, to dairy farming, but there are other advances coming. In fact, um, there's a company called Terra Firma, which is now using satellite data to look back down on Earth, identify where the rocks in your field are, and then to send out autonomous robots to go pick up those rocks. So that's another uh, trend that uh, you'll want to be uh, familiar with. Um, we can get into others, including advances in artificial intelligence and blockchain technology, which are both slightly more complicated, but there are uh, businesses starting up designed specifically to help farmers and agribusinesses leverage those particular technologies. Jack, I do want to get over to blockchain, but if we have robots pick up the rocks, what will we have all of our kids do? Because that's what we had to do all the time. We can't let them get away with that, can we? <laughs> that's a really good question. And I think this is one of the things we have to be aware of, sort of the unintended consequences of uh, technology that, uh, yeah, we don't want to get rid of all of those chores for our kids. But at the same time, uh, I think here, here is something, one of the interesting things about robotic technology, and at least with uh, dairy farming, in many cases, it's making the farming lifestyle look more attractive to younger generations. If, I mean, if you grew up on a dairy farm, you're working 365, 724, you didn't really get a break. Uh, you couldn't go to your son's football game, your daughter's volleyball game. But with these advances in robotic technology, I don't want to say that every young person is now saying farming would be an attractive career, but it is making it look more attractive to younger generations. Uh, and then if they don't have to pick up the rocks, maybe it'll appeal to even some more. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. That's right. The blockchain is interesting to me. And, you know, the conversations I have with others in the, the ag and food industry space, this we know it's going to continue to happen. But with worldwide 5G, with Starlink and the ability to really hit any point on the globe with Internet, what does that do to the ability to not only track equipment, but track food from the very time it's grown till it's consumed what trends do you see in that area because to me that looks like that may come very quickly and is something that a lot of these food companies are really moving toward very quickly yeah it, it really is uh just for your listeners who may have heard of blockchain what it is it, it's a distributed digital ledger and that it, it sounds confusing and to be honest it is confusing but what it's really going to allow uh agribusinesses to do is to have a, a very secure, trustworthy, transparent view of the supply chain. And so with the blockchain in the not too distant future, <clears throat> both consumers and businesses are going to know exactly where their crops came from, how they were grown, how they were shipped, how they were stored. But I think what's really going to be interesting is customers and I don't want to say every customer, but a fair number of customers are going to want to know where their food was grown, uh, how it was grown. Is it GMO? Is it non-GMO? But then from the, the agribusiness perspective, the Cargills, the PepsiCo, the General Mills are actually going to begin holding farmers more accountable for their carbon footprint. And I know this will... Uh, 
not sit well with all of your listeners, and I'm not here to make a, a judgment on it. I'm simply saying this is the way the world is going, and these companies are, in fact, they do want to reduce their carbon footprint, or they want to be seen as being responsible stewards of the environment, and they're going to work with those producers who they think are doing uh, the best in uh, limiting their water use, reducing methane, uh, reducing CO2 emissions, whatever it is. And blockchain will give them the technology uh, to, to do that. Do you think uh, with the carbon farming, and certainly we're hearing more and more about that all the time, is that something where you believe farmers will be incentivized to use those type of steps so now that it opens more markets to them? Do you feel like it will be something more forced on them? Or what are you seeing and hearing from those companies and the trends out there? What I'm hearing is, and just in the last two years, I've already mentioned some of these companies, but General Mills is now sourcing a million acres, or that's their goal within the next couple of years, for farmers who are employing regenerative agricultural practices. And I'm happy to get into uh, how General Mills defines that. Cargill says by 2030 they want 10 million acres under regenerative ag practices. PepsiCo says 7 million. And just to put those three companies in their 18 million acres in some sort of perspective, all of organic farming in the U.S. is approximately 5 million acres. So this is a really big trend. Uh, but to your question, I do think that uh, we're already seeing uh, European governments get much more uh, aggressive on uh, requiring agribusinesses and farmers to get more serious about this. And I, there's been talk in the Biden administration about trying to provide financial incentives for farmers to store additional carbon in their land. And my guess is a lot of your listeners are saying, what time out? We already do that by growing crops. And that is true. What these companies who want to pay to store carbon are coming in is they're using satellite data. They're using more sophisticated tools to say, what we actually want you to do is to begin planting cover crops or employ additional techniques in which we're quite confident that you are in fact storing additional carbon in the ground. I mean, some of the reports that I've seen is this is going to be a massive economic opportunity for American farmers. And I really don't think it is, it is not too soon for all of your listeners to at least begin getting up to speed on regenerative agriculture what it is and what the opportunity is to supplement your income by storing additional carbon uh, in your land and uh, employing new uh, practices and techniques that uh, store additional carbon uh, in the land. I've heard you speak on this and you've told audiences that yes, change is sometimes scary, but you believe these changes specifically with carbon farming hold great opportunity for farmers. Isn't that correct? I really do. I think it is, I mean, farmers have already been the solution to many of the world's po or problems. You might remember 40 years ago, there were economists and others who said the world was going to starve, and that hasn't happened. Um, the science, at least from my perspective, is quite compelling. Climate change is real and uh, 
humans are contributing to the problem. To what extent, nobody really knows. But what I get really excited about is farmers have this huge opportunity to be probably the biggest part of the solution by um, storing additional carbon in in the land. And so I really do think it is um, it's it's going to be a great opportunity. And as I said earlier, it's not too soon for every farmer to begin getting up to speed on this issue and on the opportunity it might represent. In the time we have remaining, I want to make sure that we talk for a bit about electric cars versus ethanol and biodiesel. How fast are we moving toward electric cars? And should that worry any of us that uh, maybe we have invested in an ethanol plant or we get uh, some of our feed and uh, others feed stocks from there? How quick is this changing and what should we expect down the road? This is a really good question. And to answer your question, I work with a lot of ag groups and companies and cooperatives. And now almost universally when I'm in the strategic planning session, I don't come in with my opinion. I simply ask the audience, I go, what percentage of vehicles do you believe will be all electric by the year 2030? And the range, and there's this massive range. Some people say, oh, it's only going to be less than 5%. Other people say it's going to be as much as 85%. And so my first point with this is nobody exactly knows where it is. Is it going to be on the low end, only 5%, or are they going to, is it going to be 85%? What I say to every farmer is you have to be aware of these trends, and this is where you need to spend time thinking. How many people are buying electric cars? Is battery technology getting better? Is storage technology getting better? Is the recharging technology getting better? Pay attention to those trends because, at least from my perspective, I think electric vehicles are going to take off faster than most farmers are currently estimating. And if I'm wrong, uh, I, there isn't that big of a downside. But if I'm right, then this is the type of thing you need to start planning for now, because here's why, is if electric vehicles do take off faster than expected, the demand for gasoline goes down. If gas goes down, the demand for ethanol goes down. If demand for ethanol goes down, the demand for corn goes down. And if corn goes down, some land prices may go down. Now, my point is not to say that that will definitively happen, but to say to particularly to corn farmers, you have to be prepared for that possibility. And so lift your head up, start paying attention to these trends, and as appropriate, look for ways to begin diversifying away from corn and ethanol, perhaps. That, to me, as a futurist, that's sort of my responsibility is not to tell people what they want to hear, but to tell them what they need to hear and why they might want to be aware of some of these trends. Speaking of trends, are there other ones out there in agriculture or even broader, just that worldwide that would be affecting us that you think it's important for ag audiences to know about? Yes. Uh, so first, just on the really optimistic front is when I talked about those satellites, I mean, one of the other things they're going to do is to deliver high-speed internet access everywhere on the globe and understand how transformative this is for, a, for 
billion additional people are going to suddenly get access to the Internet in the next few years. And as they get access to information and they have smartphones and they might have renewable energy source, their income is going to go up. And as their income goes up, many of you know, the very first thing that people do is they buy more protein. And so just from this macroeconomic perspective, farmers should be quite excited about the, the next 10 years, just in terms of global growth. So that's on the optimistic side. The other trend we haven't talked about, but the advances in plant-based protein are getting really good. Many of your listeners are familiar with Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers, but now they're getting into Beyond Pork. There's another company called Just Egg, which is a plant-based egg, and it's already in 2,000 Costco and Walmart stores in the U.S. And so, uh, so what I would say is this, is, and this is where it's hard for a lot of people, you're going to have to embrace ambiguity in the future. I think global growth is the farmer's best friend. There are going to be reasons to be optimistic. But I also think that whether we like it or not, plant-based protein is going to begin uh, eroding some sales of traditional uh, meat, eggs, chicken, other things like that. It is not going to become 100% of the market, but I think that it's going to, to grow faster than other uh, food segments. So it's, it's, something, it's simply a trend that you'll want to be uh, aware of. You think that after you visit with most people, are they uh, feeling good or not so good about their future in farming and agriculture? You know, that's a really good question. And to be honest with you, I think it hinges on people's comfort level with change. If they're comfortable with change, then they, they tend to see the opportunity in change and they see the reasons to be optimistic, but they understand they have to change. The people who simply don't like to change tend to be more pessimistic about the future. But from my perspective, there is every reason to be optimistic. As I said, global growth is going to be uh, phenomenal from my perspective over the next 10 years. Uh, the opportunity in regenerative agriculture is going to be something that uh, is also going to help the community. I think the advances in sort of agrophotovoltaics or the opportunity for farmers to begin producing some of their own energy and reduce energy costs is another reason to be optimistic. So um, I, I hope that most people are optimistic and excited by the future, but because I've been doing this for 20 years, I know that my message of change is not always welcomed by every, everyone in my audience or all, everyone who hears me speak. Jack, be sure to tell people how they can find the, the newsletter that you talked about. You're always uh, giving them five articles every week. You said just read one and it'll help you out. But how can they connect with you and, and find that weekly update? Yeah, so uh, you can just go to my website, which is my name, jackaldrich.com. And uh, Aldrich is spelled U-L-D-R-I-C-H. So jackaldrich.com, and then right on the home page, you just pop in your email address. And I, I don't do anything else with any of uh, your information. All you do is get my newsletter every Friday at 8 a.m., and there are five articles. And, again, I encourage my readers 
just to read one and think about how it's going to affect your business or your farm. Jack, I really appreciate the time. Good conversation. A lot for us to think about. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. As Jack mentioned, his weekly newsletter provides good info on the latest trends, not only in agriculture, but the world as a whole. You can find him on the web at jackaldrich.com, and Aldrich is spelled U-L-D-R-I-C-H. We now have an easier way for you to connect with this show directly. Just go to farmingthecountryside.com. That's the new website that gives you access to past shows that you may have missed, and you can find a list of local radio stations carrying this show or find your preferred way to download and listen as well. The Farming the Countryside page on Facebook will also provide you regular updates, so if you use that platform, connect with us there too. I always like to share our Total Town Makeover website where people are finding ideas on how they can help their small towns and communities. We've got lots of TV and radio features there under the Resources tab. As always, I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.